Welcome to the Core Podcast. This one's a little bit special because it's just hosted by me. This collection of fantastic podcasts comes from a load of amazing, influential women in tech. I'm really excited to share this with you throughout October. I hope you enjoy. This is a great podcast to check out. It was a delight to chat with Vanessa from Byte IT, who I have actually had the pleasure of working for with on alongside for the last couple of years or so, or maybe even more than a couple of years, um, with her fantastic experience with working in this industry, within tech and within marketing. And that's why it was such a pleasure to interview her as one of my influential women in tech. She has some great ideas and some really, really great knowledge on why cybersecurity is a great industry to get into, not just from a tech or a sales perspective, but marketing too, which really excites me. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining us today and taking the time out to be part of this campaign, which um, is helping us to talk to as many women as possible that are influential and involved within within tech. So um, I really appreciate you joining me, especially as I think I started working you in our really, really early days with Quarter Cloud. So to anyone that's not aware of you and your business, Vanessa, would you just quickly introduce yourself and a bit about your career and, and where you are now? Yeah, of course. So first of all, thanks very much for having me. Uh, great initiative. Um, should be really proud of it. I hope it's going really well for you. So just to introduce myself, my name is Vanessa Cardwell. I am the managing director and founder at a B2B technology marketing um, agency called Byte IT Marketing. Um, and I think you just wanted a little overview of my career today and, and how I sort of ended up in cyber. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I assume you have a marketing background and how that and actually how did you end up in IT or was it were you in IT and then the, then the marketing came along? So I definitely didn't come from an IT background. I did my degree in marketing, went into film. So I never thought that I'd end up in cybersecurity. So a bit about you would be great. Yeah, no worries. So um my background is pretty much all marketing mm-hmm. and marketing tech. Okay. So I started my career um, at the BBC oh. in marketing roles, and I worked on you know pretty technical um, broadcast solutions. So I looked after BBC Studios, BBC Outside Broadcast, BBC Post Production. Oh. So that was my complete background. Was always always had a a technical slant to it. Mm-hmm. And I was at the BBC. The BBC was very good for good to me. I was there for about twelve, 12 years. Wow. Uh, I was very lucky. Yeah, very lucky with my with my career. I started as you might be able to tell from the accent, working at the BBC in in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Yeah, um, but was desperate to to move to London, and um, the BBC gave me that opportunity. As once I was there in uh, technical marketing roles, they gave me the opportunity to apply for all the internal jobs that I could. So I found myself eventually working at uh, BBC and Television Centre. Wow. Which was a brilliant experience. Yeah, um, yeah. Looking after, yeah, looking after studios and, and uh, post-production outside broadcast marketing with a brilliant team. But I realised, you know, pretty quickly um, that I could stay very comfortable at the BBC. Okay. If I wanted. Right. And, you know, I worked up through the ranks um in my role and thought you know what it's time to challenge myself 
so after I had my first daughter, as you do, you as decide you do. you're going to, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I think it's something when you have children, it just changes your brain and you think, yeah, I'm going to do something more risky. Brilliant time. <laughs> exactly. Great time. Um, I left and I started doing um, small business consultancy. Okay. I'm just do, working two or three days a week, working for different organizations um, and working around my childcare and working around my daughter and found actually that I really loved this, um, the, how rewarding it was mm -hmm. working with small businesses rather in, in a marketing world rather than large ones because the BBC, you're a, you know, you're a cog in a wheel. You know, if you are supporting an organization to get off the ground with their marketing, there's nowhere to hide. No. You know, you know, if you're going to be um, introducing a marketing campaign, the results are going to be really obvious. So I found that really rewarding. And then eventually found myself in working for a reseller. Okay. And um, I worked there for about six years. And that's when I started getting into marketing and vendor campaigns around cybersecurity, cloud, and yep. um, infrastructure and really enjoying it and finding actually that um, once I got over the initial shock of oh my goodness it's so technical um, I found it I found it brilliant and then um, I decided to set Byte IT up six yeah. years ago and apply all the skills I've learned working for small and large organizations to my own business and here we are six years later and um getting new business every day and the you're team doing is amazing just see like you're constantly recruiting it's just incredible i just think from when i first started working with you it must be four well when i first started so about four years ago the journey that you've been on as a team and who you work with now is very aspirational you've done amazingly oh thank you thank you it it, it has been i'm not gonna lie really hard work you know setting yeah. up your own business you know it is it is 70 hour weeks. It is, you know, you have to be across everything. You wear many hats, but mm. I, I can honestly say hand on heart, I've never enjoyed doing anything more than working for Byte. And the variety of organizations we work with and the amount we've learned and yeah. how we've grown. And, you know, I, the, you know, I'm so lucky. We've had some wonderful experiences, worked on some great projects and initiatives and, um, and we're still going strong, so it's it's all good. Obviously, you did the BBC, which I think I can relate to a little bit because I went into the whole the whole film and all that sort of thing. Um, yes. Yeah. Obviously, a big initiative about this is getting women into tech, and 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 why it's quite inspirational. Where yeah. when did you have that light bulb moment? I mean, I I remember seeing some of the tech in action, and I I can, can empathise that there's a lot of jargon and a lot of tech, and you think, oh my god, I'm never going to understand any of this. But actually, yeah. when you start peeling the layers back, I actually found it kind of James Bondy. It was quite it was quite interesting, and oh, that's it, I don't know. There was actually quite a little bit it, a bit sexy, really. Actually, this industry when you when you look into it and what you're protecting and things like that. What was kind of your light bulb moment that it was a bit like actually? I could really do some good here and I could really, you know, get really do some campaigns that could make a difference. Was there a light bulb moment? Was there a certain technology or someone that you worked with and you thought, oh, yeah, I get it? I I think it was it was very much, a you know, a little bit of a combination of all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I had a particular light bulb moment. No. But um, what I do... Um, feel very fortunate about is that 
this is a growing and, and burgeoning industry. Yeah. You know, it's it's cutting edge, it's it's really expanding, um, and that acceleration in the cyber and tech industry is only set to grow. Yes. So the fact that we're working in that industry really, really excites me. And I think that the fact that we've just come out of, you know, a couple of challenging years as everyone else has, the cyber and the technology industry, it's proved its resilience during that time. You know, it's more and more relevant and prevalent now. Uh, the shift to hybrid and remote working was kind to a lot of organizations in tech. Yes. You know, they really, a lot of those organizations did really well. Um, during quite a difficult time for other industries. And I think that that is really exciting. Mm. I think the fact that it's fast paced and it's continu continually changing keeps it interesting. Um, and you'll know, you know, working at, at Quarter Cloud, there are so many new vendors and technologies popping up all the time all over the place. Okay, yeah. Um, and, you know, that that's great. This, the, you know, it's always changing and evolving and there's so much variety. So from that perspective, that's really, I suppose, the bit that keeps me interested. There's never a dull moment with tech. That's true. You, uh, you also can't, um, I don't know, I've learned that you, you, one fit doesn't necessarily fit for one vendor, one messaging doesn't always fit for one vendor, or even with the with, where people are evolving information like and, and absorbing information like digital marketing. I mean, I think when I was at uni, Instagram may have just started. Snapchat was like tiny so even to think how much that's evolved in the last 10 years for a marketeer it's not only keeping up on the pace of that it's also the trends of cyber security and people's needs and pains in in that in that market so I, I feel it's never really a dull moment would you would you agree if you're getting into the oh, industry yeah. absolutely <laughs> absolutely and I think that that is you know that's a really good comparison to make you know you've got mm. the acceleration of um, cloud and cyber security solutions, you know, driven largely by the growth in, in ransomware and yes. cyber threat on one hand. And at the same time, you've got the, the digital marketing channels yep. and, and the fast pace in which they're evolving. Mm -hmm. So you really can't sit still. You have to continually evolve your knowledge and you have to continue on both sides, you know, evolve your knowledge on, on the cyber side, but also on the, the digital tools and techniques that you have. At your availability to make sure that you you tell your client's story and message accurately yep so that you know that that makes it really inter interesting and this is a really interesting time to be both in cyber and tech and in marketing so yeah we're, we're i agree what we do i think yeah we, we've got we've got it on, on both on great size we've got a uh we sell something that's really exciting and we work in an industry that i feel like never sits still i, I think i listen to a different podcast and something comes in and there's one on the metaverse the other day and I was thinking oh goodness I'm gonna to have to learn to market in a virtual reality world soon that's that's a whole different yeah. thing like, <laughs> like yeah. I'm just trying to work out the current world I'm in let alone, yeah. let alone yeah. do the virtual so that's definitely definitely true um we were talking about um our children and summer holidays depending on when people are listening to this are kind of coming to a to a close for us um oh do you feel that I mean, how do you explain to your children what you market? Um, and do you feel there's enough uh, in schools and colleges to um, promote, firstly, the industry of cyber and, and even to get more um, like 
women in 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 tech as well around the educational uh, period of our lives which is quite impactful of what route you decide or what degree you decide to do or what apprenticeship for that so do you think there's enough at the moment around yeah so this is a really interesting question Mm. um i have teenage daughters yeah and so i'm and they're both uh you know a, a state school in in london so i can only really go very much on my own experience of of that yeah and um i think education still needs needs to do a lot to evolve their message around cybersecurity in the cybersecurity industry so they are doing computer science you know that's Mm -hmm. what they do they do computer science as a subject um and often you know it's quite boring and they, they they're teaching the the kids to code which is one very small element of a wider piece of the puzzle and whilst you know it's great that they're getting girls to um girls you know young girls in particular to to learn those skills i think they're really missing a trick about how exciting the industry is as a whole and you know as we've already discussed earlier on in this podcast the you know tech changes quickly and that's exciting yeah and the, the kids shouldn't be coming home from school saying, oh, my God, computer science is so boring. And if you think about, you know, just um, the pace, how literate our kids are in terms of tech, mm. how fast they pick up shortcuts on their phones and <laughs> how yep. gaming and all of that, you know, compared to us, there's no reason why that shouldn't be really, really exciting for them. Yeah, and completely. I feel, yeah, I just feel that that... Um, element is really missing in schools and I think you know we still take quite a traditional approach to that and and I think if you could get some of the exciting messages around innovation and the value of tech in the real world and, and how that's such a growing industry you get more people interested in that um yeah I completely agree because yeah. I can think I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old so I'm on the beginning of this journey um especially when the social media side of things kicks in I'll ask you some more questions about that with having two teenage daughters but how quickly they can use phones and things like that you would think that there would be maybe if it's more gamified or maybe it's just context of understanding because coding code like you said is one tiny element of the big spectrum of getting involved in tech and in this industry and Mm -hmm. very important but maybe it's a bit of context or them understanding or I don't know the right peers explaining it I'm, I'm not really sure or Maybe it is the importance, firstly, of keeping yourself safe online because I think mm-hmm. we overshare on social media and I've, I've been known to do that. And from doing podcasts um, over the last kind of like year or so, I've learned, you know, not to overshare my kid's birthday and their picture of them starting primary school and all that sort of stuff. Things that you think is really innocent, um, you know, allows people to create a profile of your kids. How have you managed that? And do you think, you know, is, is that put on yourself? Do you feel like you do that at home or do you think there needs to be a bit of support on that with school? Because that, I can imagine, must be a bit of a minefield with the social media because you can't switch it off. We know how important it is as marketeers, but how do you balance that security piece for the for your two girls? Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good question. Yeah. And I have to say, my experience of both the primary school and secondary schools that my girls have attended are they're they're very good on that you know they do do the literacy classes for the parents they're constantly educating the children about what's safe online they're clamping down on negative things very Mm. quickly for example 
you know, WhatsApp groups popping up where, you know, unpleasant things are being said by, you know, about teachers or other pupils. They do stamp on that really quickly. That's really but, good. you know, you, when your children are young, so your children are younger than, young, obviously younger than my two, that mine are 17 and 14, you can, when they're younger, avoid it and you can, you know, restrict it. Yeah. And you can say, you know, my, my girls didn't get a phone until the summer before they started secondary school. Yeah. But they didn't need it. But then you've got, you, you can't, um, you have to embrace it. Of course. Because it's all around them. So you cannot stop them having a phone. You can't stop them ha um, having access to social media um, channels. But, you, but what you can do is teach them a safe way to use it. And so we have um, had restrictions on things like the times. Yep. They can use certain applications. It's understanding how to, to use, you know, the iPhone to make sure that you, you can set that up and then just educating them about what, what is appropriate use and, mm -hmm. and also around um, kindness in general, I think, yeah. which really like social media. It's like don't post anything on there that you wouldn't want to see printed in a newspaper or printed on a magazine about anybody else that you wouldn't want to, you know, that you'd be embarrassed about somebody saying about you and, and teaching that kindness. And um, I have to say my girls are interesting users of social in that at 14 and 17, I think the the generation just up from them, these sort of, are, you know, later teens and early 20s seem to be the real selfie generation. Yes. There's a lot, of, a lot of pouting, a lot of, you know, yeah. close up selfies and things like that whereas my girls don't like photographs on social that's interesting so how their mindset's different yeah the, the mindset is different and, and they're and they're changing how they use social and how they interact with it and you know very quickly my children said i don't want you posting my pictures on social wow okay. so i have very few pictures of my children online. post year six online because they just said we don't don't post a picture and occasionally if one snuck through I got in a whole world of trouble. <laughs> I'd have been the same though. I think if you look at every photo of me as a teen, I've got some moody face on. If you look at all our holiday pictures, I think from 12 to 16, it looks like my mum's dragged me there in pure pain. Like there's one, we went on an incredible trip in New Zealand and I look very unhappy in every photo. I don't think it's true. I just hated every photo being taken of me. So yeah. there's a bit, a bit of that. So I kind of empathise with them and then to have it on social too. But it is interesting. And I, and I, and I wonder really by the time my daughter, so she's six in November, when mm. she gets her phone, and I'm thinking probably similar time, secondary school, Will it be yeah. completely different to them? Will I not have to, Will you know, it would be like a weird, you know, when you say, oh, yeah, we used to smoke in restaurants. Will it be weird to her if you said, oh, yeah, people used to post pictures of themselves like that? Would Maybe she'll be completely shocked and would be like, yeah, how did yeah, we let yeah, that happen? So why, why was everybody taking pictures of their own faces? I mean, you know, Yeah, or changing of... them or, yeah, she might be yeah. completely, who knows? Technology is changing so much. She'll probably have an avatar of herself so no one really knows what she really oh. looks like anyway. Who knows? But yeah. it is interesting how it's evolving. And I don't think you can avoid it. And I think you need to yeah. empower and educate and show um, you know, it's like you get taught about stranger danger. I remember, I remember that really vividly as a child. But the more you understand, and it just, it just helps, doesn't it? Technology is not going anywhere, so to keep your kids away from it's not actually going to help them in the long run. If anything, no. it, it probably make it more appealing. A bit like alcohol, isn't it? 
if it's a taboo. Yeah, that, <laughs> if it's a taboo. And when I was at school, I don't, you know, we didn't have, um, you know, social media and, and mobile phones. No. But I think we owe it to our children to try and keep abreast of what's going on. And that's probably one of the, you know, that is one of the big plus points of working in this industry is you kind of, you've got a, a deeper insight potentially um, around technology and changes and, and social and helping to keep them safe online that that perhaps you know people working in other industries don't have yeah you know but at the but at the same time um you know the fact that they are their digital literacy is so much more advanced than ours was at school mm. is also trusting them to be able to be able to navigate their own world because yeah. they're not you know we our teen experience you know i'm older than you but my teen experience will be different to yours and your, your teen experience will be different to my daughter's and yeah. your daughter's will be different, different again and i think you know they're they're more robust than you think um agree and i think you yeah. do need to keep up because teenage experiences like you said i think maybe i don't know like 10 years in some generations wouldn't have been much different but 10 years now is a big is a big difference um with, yeah. with how technology yeah, changing yeah, exactly. And, and you, you know, it, it sort of seems it's crazy to me. I remember getting my granny a mobile phone hmm. so that she could phone us if she was in trouble. And trying to teach her to use the mobile phone was just, you know, she was just the loveliest woman. But, you know, it's kind of hilarious now. Did your granny Thinking. charge it? Because my nan never used to charge it. And we used to be like, we're trying to ring you. And she's like, it's in my handbag. Have you charged yeah, it? Exactly. No. Well, she used to try and talk into it like it was a walkie-talkie. Yeah. <laughs> Here I need to be talking into it like a walkie-talkie, and I, you know, and and then you know you, I know experiences of my um my friends whose whose parents are, are older who who don't only really know how to use internet banking and things like that, and I just think how you have to use technology, you know, to make life easier. Yes, and therefore you sort of owe it to yourself and and the people around you to kind of stay literate and just you know stay stay up to date. So, um. It just seems crazy to me that we don't do more on that side to completely agree. Yeah, I do agree. Um, One of the reasons we're also running these series of podcasts is talking about influential women. And actually, um, Vanessa, I feel like you've probably smashed most statistics that I've looked into. So 22% of women are afraid to try something new and fail compared to men at 13%. And statistically, women are only likely to apply for a job if they meet 100% of the criteria where men are happy to be anything between 50 and 60%. You mm. have launched your own business in probably not the original industry that you started in. And mm. actually at the time in probably a very male-dominated industry. Wow. <laughs> what did you draw on? <laughs> did you have mentors? What kept you going? Because... If, if if you were a statistic, it probably would look like you should fail, but you haven't, which is incredible. So do you have any kind of, I don't know, core pillars or things that you think really allowed you to do so well? So that's such a good question. And, you know, thank you for the for the vote of confidence there. <laughs> no, you have. It's, it's nice to hear it. You know, you don't often, you know, sort of sit back and go, yeah, you know, that is pretty, you know, I'm pretty pleased with myself because you're just always moving to the next thing and moving to the next thing. And I think a lot of it comes to do with, um, well, two things, the kind of work ethic that we, that that I have and, and all my family have. So my mum 
was a really always a really, a really hard worker um you know she she was had times in her life when she was on her own and she had three kids and she was she always worked really hard and i i think me myself and my my two siblings all have the same work ethic so we're right. all really we're all grafters we're all hard workers we're all doers and i think that is the key to a lot of this success is you have to be a doer yeah. like you are you know you 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 know i've you know on the time that i've worked worked with you you know you have an idea you make it happen and that's the yeah. difference between actually you know actually delivering it and being a doer and then also i have to say i have been really fortunate in my career to have had some of the best bosses ever and um i've had some great male bosses but i've also had some really amazing female bosses mm -hmm. and one of the the reasons i'm able to you know to work in by uh, today is you know i had a brilliant boss at the bbc for years called tanya and uh, she's not in the industry anymore but I often think about how much i learned working for her and then you know um michelle lewington who was the the md at network utilities the organization i was working at she gave me the most amazing leg up you know she said you can do this and she helped me get get bike going and off the ground and you know that was just the nudge and the push in the right direction that you needed yeah. and then it, and then it's down to you to make it work and and it's down to hard work and being confident challenging yourself and saying yes to stuff yeah you know, saying yes to stuff and and then figuring out figuring out how to do it a bit later on you do you know? do you think that is a thing though do you think i mean you're a mum and so you juggle multiple hats and even women that aren't mums i feel women do seem to juggle multiple hats and have lots of different roles um do you think saying yes is a big part of that do you think we hold back I, I listened to another statistic recently that I think it's if women launched as many businesses as men do statistically a year or something I think we'd improve the UK um economy something like in the billions but mm. there there is a, when they've interviewed lots of women that have had ideas they um all they make excuses or and and weirdly men will go into a bank and ask for a loan because they believe in that business is going to happen where a woman will be like oh well I'll save a bit of money here and I'll pay for that bit and then I'll take on the next client and because I've earned that I'll do that and they won't do the big risk they won't do the big do you think we're risk averse a bit or no, do you think it's we must be we have yeah. to be I mean she's just quoted you know speak for themselves they yeah. you know they they tell that story i think women are more risk averse i think men are bolder i think that's why men do well in in those sales roles you yeah. know um, predominantly and, and but you know we're not we're, women and men are not the same no matter what no. you say you know we, we have skills in different areas but i do think that there is a lot that we can learn from each other agreed and i think being confident knowing your worth and saying yes you know it they're really important lessons and our women should be empowered to to take those risks and, and believe in themselves and it's sad to me that you know that we that we don't do ourselves any favors you know your example there of, go, of, the, of the man going in for the loan and saying I'm going to make this work because I've got the confidence to do it mm. well yeah we, we need to we need to have that um confidence in, in ourselves and each other and support each other to do those to take those risks you said that we've men and women bring different things to the table. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think are the key things that women bring to the table when in business? Because it's still, even though it's getting much better, there are more women on boards and, and, and growing up to the, to the more like higher level job roles and senior roles. But if mm. you were thinking, if, if, yeah, if anyone was thinking, oh, to put a woman into the role or, or, to, or, or yeah, or just to neutralize or, you know, what would you, what would you think that women bring to the table? That's, you know, a great thing to add into the mix of any business. Oh my goodness. Um, what don't they bring to the table? <laughs> I said empathy. I think women are very yeah. good with empathy. Yeah, definitely very good at empathy. And if you want a job done properly, ask a woman. And if you want a job <laughs> done well, ask a busy woman. Yes, very I mean, true. I really, uh, I really believe that. My team mocked um, me because I have an Excel spreadsheet, but it's for the my um, home life. So it has my children and my dog and then it has AM, PM and it has who's picking up, who's dropping off, what club they're going to, who's prepping, who's got dinner. And I have that at home to manage so I can do my, my job. Why am I surprised by that? I, 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 don't know, I don't know how people don't do it. The guys will <laughs> laugh at me, but I literally print it off the week before, the month before. Everyone's got a full month. They know what's going on. And then if grandparents, obviously, because they've got their own lives, want to go on holiday, I can be like, right, okay, I need to move that around. And then my team know where I am um, yeah. at every moment. I, I, yeah, my, uh, I have two hats, but being a mum is just as important as my job role and I I I've always juggled with the mum guilt thing like I'm working too much but then when I'm with the kids I'm not concentrating on work and I have I've never it's never really settled very well with me with the whole balance of this as 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 we've Mm -hmm. grown and things like that but I um I listened to a podcast recently which really settled me and made me feel good but apparently it's to do like status and and job role and security um, because I, I wouldn't like to think I don't think I'm materialistic in in that way, but it it was more uh, apparently it's to do with back in caveman days. Um, it's you want that status role because if you're higher up in your tribe, it means that your babies would be better protected. So yeah, they'd be protected more in the cave, and they would be given the first round of food, and so women, you know, when you do want that job and you do want to be higher up. And you get that horrible mum kill. It's actually your your genes from you know, probably your cave grandma who was at the top, and she made sure you got fed well. And you know, the cyber tooth yes. target didn't get you first. So, I, for me, it was the first time I listened to a podcast and was like, "Oh God, I'm I'm not picking between the two. I'm I'm trying to make sure that my kids are so well protected and at the top of the tribe." And that for me was the first yes. time I heard something that I was like, "Yes." that makes me feel so much more settled and I think sometimes we juggle with that like we think that we're we're affecting one for the other and I I do think you can have both I really do if you if you get it right I have some things that are really like I always put my kids to bed um and I always read them stories and, mm. and weekends are ours but Monday to Friday um yeah I do put work um first and, and I always try to make sure that I'm home for bedtime but yeah, I don't know. I don't know about you. You've grown a business and you've got two, two you know, and hopefully you've got two strong teenage girls that are going to see what you've done. But have you ever juggled mm. with the with the balance of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have. You yeah. know, it's um, the mum guilt is real. You know, <laughs> yeah. every, every stage of the mum guilt is real. It's the fact you're dropping off in the nursery for the first time. You feel yeah. guilty. Drop school, you feel guilty. You know, um, you have that. But you sound like you've got a great balance and you're doing an amazing job with it. Oh, I, I don't know about that. You can ask me the kids that in a few years' time. I'm I'm doing it the best way I can, the way I can, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but you know you have you know you have to think about the message that you're giving your children about um the rewards of hard work and mm. um and and also you know they're entering a different time to us you know back in the in the day you could survive on one salary yeah that's not case now you know both uh, the majority of cases both um parents need to work because you know everything that we're talking about that's you know that's been um so prevalent in the news the cost of living and how expensive everything is you do need those two salaries so you you know there's a there's a whole um point you're making around gender stereotypes and i think that you know they're still very ingrained and i think it would take years and years and years of proactive change to to make a difference you know yeah just listening to you talking about your spreadsheet when who's doing what when everyone's getting picked up you know you're you're the one that's managing the home that's that's managing the home yeah. and your children at the same yeah. time as managing your job so you you knew you whilst you know you are we're, we're still you know we're, we're forward thinking and you know like to think we're modern women that you're still doing that the massive lion's share of that home management mm. And I live with a really liberal, empathetic, lovely husband. But I have know. yeah, I have the same. I have to I have to pick him up. He he does he yeah, he there's no uh um he does the laundry just as much and he does the cooking just as much, there's just as equal and the kids you know, we both yeah. brought the kids into the world. But you do have to have that at home, right? That support at home yeah, to be able to, to do that. You have to have that support at home mm. and um you know, it's it's the only way that you can do it. So I think it's it's interesting to me, you know, the shift is there, isn't it? The, you know, the roles in in the home need to be more equal, and, and therefore the roles in the workplace need to be more be yeah. more equal, and also therefore, um, uh, you know, gender the gender pay gap and and everything else, you know, it, it sadly it's still there, but um, it shouldn't be, and and it is improving, and I think. I think where it is improving is women having a voice and because I, I sometimes don't think it even comes from a bad place. It's just people are unaware. They don't, they're yeah. not, they're un, it's just an unaware thing. And I think sometimes us women, and I don't know I'm my own worst enemy, sometimes you just need to ask for help or say, actually, could you, especially at home, could you help with this or could you do that? With your own yeah. business, obviously you're allowing, you, you are that voice with your own business. Um, mm. Have you got things for for men and for women within your team that's like making things a bit more like equal i know you offer i believe you offer like kind of hybrid working and things like that is there things that you've got in place or things that were really important i know with us with the refurb of um um, the new office is i was very passionate about having like a private room whether it was you know for mental health or for breastfeeding or mm-hmm. um because you know when I came back with, with after my son there wasn't really an appropriate place to, to pump um or you know like for that sort of thing if I if I needed to so is there things that you've wanted through your career to add into your business and thought oh that would be a nice thing to have whether it was for male or female to be honest yeah so this is it's a it's a really great question and one of the you know I obviously have um men and women working at bite and one of the things that you know that I'm very passionate about is you know family need to come first but at the same time you know there's a job to be done here at bite yeah of course and therefore you need to and you know and because we're client facing um and it's a client facing marketing role our clients expect us to work harder to have more ideas and to be to be you know to 
to really lead the way on that. Yeah. And then, yeah. so I don't make I don't make any secret of the fact that when I have women applying for roles at Byte, um, you know, often they'll be they'll have families. I'm really open to flexibility. You know, if your child is sick, you oh, absolutely you need to go and pick them up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need um, flexible working, so for example, we've got, you know, a mix of sort of hybrid and home working. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys will often leave to pick the kids up from school. They might be doing work when their kids are around. That's totally fine. But if the job gets done, then there's no problem. Have some, I don't care where you are or what you yeah. do. Problem is, and, um, you know, I'll be quite candid about this. There are, sadly some women who want all the flexibility and all the and all of the, the family friendly stuff but they don't necessarily want to do the job so mm. that's where i get tough about it so uh, yeah, quite I get often, in the past i've had people apply for flexible jobs or part-time jobs at bite and they come to interview and they say the first thing they want to talk about is how flexible the role is when they can when they can you know do their yoga class that they want to do or you might honestly have these questions around um yoga you know, class this, what's that well yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i'd and love to do yoga class for a minute it might be it might be a flexible part-time role but there's still a, it's there's still a job to do you know it's not it's not a lifestyle choice to apply for a part-time job you know what can you do for your employer and therefore you know the job gets done don't really care how or what what you do if the job gets done then brilliant and that's the thing also within a creative role unfortunately my brain doesn't always necessarily work nine to five (laughs) sometimes it could be one in the morning and I'm like oh my god I've got it (laughs) and I may work like one till four and be like that's it do you know what I mean like um I, I think where that where that's changing as well like creative I'm sure in all roles um it isn't I think COVID has pushed it more that time is not really a constraint now or location if like you can be anywhere but I completely get I think with women empowering women to get into roles it's got to be a bit of it's got to be um equal on both sides like if you're having a flexible role you've got to own it and and still do your job really well otherwise you're really letting down the women before you that have paved the way if that makes sense um yeah you've articulated that perfectly there has to be balance there has to be it has to be balance and, and like the same thing with um everything going on with uh um i know there's a bit of thing about um women on their period should they be working the same amount of hours and you know some people have horrific periods that I'm very fortunate I've never had to deal with like mine have always been pretty pretty steady and okay um and I I can't imagine you know if you're India metriosis I'm very terrible at pronouncing that like having to work Mm -hmm. and deal with that and I had a colleague who you know had it awfully but on the flip side of it I don't want someone (laughs) using the term like oh she's on her period or equally knowing when I'm on my period, you know, like yes. it's, a, it's like yeah. it's like a two way thing now. Like I want women to be able to, you know, I think if you're not feeling well, you should be able to send a message to your your, your peers or your team and being like, you know, this is what's going down. But also, I don't really want it being publicly used as a oh, it's that time of the month. And then where's the secrecy if if you're get, trying to get pregnant? Because if everyone knows <laughs> when it normally is, and she's, I don't know, I feel like there's something, oh, yeah. But you know we can't we can't have it always as women no no we can't you know, but, you know we talk about you know the the um 
you know, I mentioned it earlier on the, po- but the podcast, we are different. Mm. We can't pretend we're not. We can't just rock up to work with horrendous period cramps and pretend we're like men and we're fine no. because we're not. There needs to be a healthy dialogue around these things. And I think now that, you know, now we're sort of seeing um, women talk about it. Who was the athlete recently who, um, oh. Michelle, what's her name? She lost her sponsorship, didn't she? When she, is that when we talk? Was that the path we're going? No, now? she she um she was she, she was expected to do really well in um the Commonwealth Games, and she didn't get her personal best because she was on her period. Oh yes, because it does it impacts and your it speed, her, doesn't it, and your muscles? Yeah, it impacted her performance. I remember her name in a minute. It's terrible. Yeah. She remember her name, but it affected her, her her performance, and she was very upfront about it. And she said that is why. And um, you know why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we talk about it? Um, because they do and, give and suppressants, don't they, to athletes to not have them? Because it does have such a huge impact on their personal births. I have read that. I think in gymnasts yeah, and things they've yeah. previously, when they shouldn't have, have given drugs. But there's also you know athletes that have lost sponsorship because they're pregnant <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. That is you know I think there's a long way to come and things are getting better. But I think yeah, I think we are different but we need to rock that we're different and women and men working together is an incredible power really all together absolutely and you know and i I agree with you you know we don't we don't want to be saying to our male colleagues in a male-dominated industry i can't come in today because i've got my period or and i feel really bad we don't want to say that but at the same time we have to acknowledge the fact that we are going to have off days because but sometimes I have off days and it's not my period. I could be in a mood with you and it ain't my period. <laughs> I'm just in a mood with you. You've got to accept it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't really want everyone going around like, oh, she's been on a, on it for nearly three weeks. No, yeah, yeah. just in a mood. Yeah. Really, really in a yeah. mood with you. Or just really annoying. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> you just, or the kids have been a pain that day. It may not be that time of month. Yeah, right, yeah. I really appreciate it and I could probably talk to you all day, but I think we've had a really good natter. Um, so to kind of conclude all of this wonderfulness about how we want to get women and we want to get women in tech and whether that's through someone like yourself and marketing and having a marketing influence or if it's someone that wants to be in the tech and being in the technology side of things or sales, what would you say to anyone listening to this on the, on the brink of thinking, oh, I might do, but it's an, I don't know anything about the industry. What would you would be your five kind of top tips? to maybe start looking into it oh okay so um first of all i certainly think this is a really attractive industry to be in it's growing mm. it's changing it's evolving it's robust and um, it's not going away tech is always going to change and evolve and and so if you're thinking about an industry to join this that you know all of those things i just mentioned are really compelling reasons to, to get into the industry yeah um if you're a woman thinking about getting into the industry you know we've debated it a lot today together it you know things are changing and it's and uh, it's certainly becoming more female friendly and women friendly and then i just think you know the tips that i would give sort of personally to anyone who wants to work in cyber security especially if the women would be around you know be confident mm-hmm. challenge be strong know your worth Say yes, figure it out later, <laughs> learn, read, educate yourself. You know, you've already mentioned the fact that you're listening to podcasts all the time. And, That's because I don't have time to read anymore, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, you know, find a mentor, find, seek those people out in, in business who can you, support yeah. you and give you a leg up and, and advise you. And, and yeah, you, you, you can't go wrong. Perfect. 
Thank you, Vanessa. I could talk to you all day. I really appreciate spending time with you. And like I said, very inspirational to see how far your business is coming. So um, hopefully we'll get to work on something again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Thank you. Have a good day. Speak soon. Bye. Bye.